A 28-year-old woman shot up a Nashville private Christian elementary school yesterday, killing three nine-year-old students as well as three adults who worked at the school. This person also identified as transgender, was apparently a former student. What exactly is going on here? How should we think through this story? How should Christians respond to this story? How is the media responding to this story? We've got a lot to talk about, a lot to analyze today. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. It is Tuesday, and as you could probably tell from the open, we uh, are going to try to get through this very tough episode the best we can. I posted on Instagram this morning, right before recording, just a request for prayer, and I understand with everything going on in the world It's a low prayer priority, but I asked if any of you had a moment, if you could just pray that I would find words of clarity and peace, talking about something that feels really personal. I, before I started this, I mean, I was in the makeup chair and I was having to apologize to the woman doing my makeup because I just couldn't stop crying every time I think about this in the car this morning with my kids. I am just so overcome with emotion. Again, unfortunately, this is not that much of a rare occurrence. This is something that it seems like we deal with pretty regularly. And it always makes me emotional. And yet, I don't know what it is exactly about this story that seems to have hit me a little bit harder, seems to make me a little bit more emotional even than these similar tragedies have in the past. But I'm going to do my very best to keep my emotions as contained as possible so I clearly speak to you. And it's not because I'm trying to cover them up or to pretend that I'm tough or to be superficial or anything like that. It's just because it's really hard (laughs) to to blubber and blabber through such a serious episode. I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to you guys to explain this, to try to offer comfort and understanding as best as I fathomably can a biblical perspective of the chaos and confusion that's going on in the world. And I can't do that well if I am crying the entire time. So thank you for your prayers this morning. And some of you sent me um, a message of something that I post on my uh, Instagram a lot, just as a reminder. And it's the lyrics from one stanza of this is my father's world. This is my father's world. Let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. So that's what we do here on Relatable. We remind each other. I remind y'all when you need a reminder that God is sovereign, that he is good, that he is faithful, that nothing throws him off, nothing takes him aback, nothing surprises him. Nothing makes him look down and say, wow, I did not see that coming. But Even though sin and evil and wickedness grieves him, he is not apathetic and he is also not shocked 
um, he is sovereign over it all. And sometimes like I need you guys to remind me of that. And I also will remind you of that when I can. And so before we even get into this, because I'm sure a lot of you know the details, I just, I want to remind you, and I wasn't sure, I'm still not totally sure as I'm speaking right now, what order I'm going to go in and how I'm going to explain this, how I'm going to weave in my opinion, my commentary and different reminders as I'm explaining to you the hard facts of this. But let me just start out with a reminder from those of you know, if you've been listening to Relatable for any amount of time, this is maybe my favorite chapter, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, and that is Psalm 37. Actually, my brother and sister-in-law a long time ago, I think maybe for my 17th birthday, they got me a James Avery ring, and it was an ichthys. And on the inside, it said Psalm 37, 1 through 7. And of course, they couldn't know how much that passage has stuck with me through every year, every stage of my life. And I find myself honestly in every subject that we talk about referring back to that passage and really the entirety of the chapter. It's really amazing how God works through things like that. But here's Psalm 37, one, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Isn't that an amazing statement? Think about all the things that we have to thread over or fret over rather. Think about all of the wickedness that we have to worry about. Think about all the things going on outside of our window that we can look at and very rationally say, that's scary. I don't want to confront that. And yet here and in so many other places in the Bible, what does this God tell us? Do not fret. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not fear. So here he says it again, fret not yourself because of evildoers and be not envious of wrongdoers for they, this is why he gives us a reason why, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. So what do we do instead? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Let faithfulness become your friend. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. As we've talked about before, if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, he is the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. Then I'll skip around just a little bit. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. I love this verse. This is actually the verse that first came to mind this morning when I was thinking of Psalm 37. In just a little while, verse 10, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. You know, when something like this happens, um, we have the tendency to ask, and I think understandably, why and how? And like, let's just pause there for a second. Like, why would God allow something like this to happen? Why isn't God doing something? Surely we've contributed enough thoughts and prayers. And like, let's just be really honest about our feelings there because it's easy to kind of say, well, you know, God is sovereign and uh, bad things happen. This is a fallen world. All that's true. But like, let's just be real. If this is you and you're a parent and this happened to your child, 
you're thinking, okay, I've said over and over again that God loves my child more than I do. True. That God cares for my child's well-being more than I do. That God is more powerful than I do. True. And yet, would you let this happen to your child if you could stop it? No, you wouldn't. If you had the power, as God does, to protect your child from this kind of evil, from this kind of violence, you would stop it. And God did not. That's a tough thing to reckon with. That is a tough thing to reconcile. Can we just, can we just embrace that for a second? Can we just face that? That that is really difficult to understand how a God who says he is love, 1 John 4, 8, a God that we know from scripture is all powerful, completely good, completely faithful, that he allowed something that we as fallible humans who are not characterized by love all the time, that, that we would have not allowed? That's tough. That's tough to understand why an all-powerful and all-loving God, who we know has numbered all of the hairs on our children's head, why he would allow that to happen when we as sinful people would not. And I don't have the answer. I'm not going to give you a trite response that says, well, this is why God allowed these children to be slaughtered. This is why he allows mass shootings. This is why he allows sex trafficking. This is why he allows all these things, even though we as finite human beings would not allow those things. I don't know the exact answer. What I do know, and the only thing I can take comfort in, is that I know he's not doing nothing. I think that's our tendency to think, why did you do nothing, God? Why did you stand to the side? You could have done something. You're all powerful. He's not restrained by anything. Why didn't he stop this? Why didn't he thwart these plans? We would have done that. And we're not as good as him. We're not as strong as him. Why didn't he do anything? Why did he sit to the side and allow this evil to happen? Look, he's not simply sitting to the side and allowing evil to happen. Psalm 37 says that he is going to do something about it. Not in the way that we always want him to. Not always tangibly in the moment. Not always physically. But it is a mistake to think that God is tolerating evil. Rather, his wrath is being kindled against the evildoer. And one day, they will all be destroyed. We will look at their place and they will no longer be there. Satan will one day have no power. There will be no deceit. There will be no sin. There will be no sorrow. There will be no shootings. There will be no sickness. One day, Jesus will rule in perfect peace and claim victory over wickedness. That day is imminent. That day is coming. He is not doing nothing. God hates evil. He hates murder. He hates murderers. Yes, more than we do. He is angrier at wickedness. He is more outraged by the injustice, by the violence that we saw yesterday than we are. And while we might mistake sometimes his patience for apathy, let us not. Let us not go to that error. His patience is not apathy. 
His patience is kindled, stored up wrath that will one day be poured out on the evildoer in ways beyond our comprehension. And listen, the only way to be rescued from that wrath, the only way to find refuge, the only way to be righteous, to be the ones that Psalm 37 talks about, that looks to the wicked and sees that they're not there to inherit peace, to inherit eternal life is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. The only way we can become righteous, the only way we can be spared from the wrath that we deserve because we are sinners and have rebelled from God is by grace through faith, believing in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is God made flesh and came to die for your sins and did not stay dead, but rose again three days later, defeating death. And in that resurrection promised us that death is not going to hold either him down or us down forever. But those of us who have been bought by a price through him will live forever in perfect peace. And for everyone else, there's wrath. God is not doing nothing. His eternal plan of redemption is going off without a hitch and always has. So yes, be sad. Let's be sad. Let's be confused. Let's, let's admit that we don't have the answers. Let's cry with those who are crying. Let us mourn with those who are mourning. Let us be angry when we need to be angry. Let us feel those things. But let us not make the mistake of thinking that God doesn't care or that he is far off or that he's doing nothing He's doing something beyond what we can comprehend. All right. Now that I've reminded myself and reminded you all of that, let's get in. Let's get into the details of what actually happened here and some of and some of the response. Um, let me just go ahead and pause. I'll tell you about our first sponsor for the day. Um, it's a fitting sponsor because uh, as as we just noted, Jesus cares about the little ones. He cares about the children even more than we do. Um, they have his heart. They have his compassion. They have his care. And this company that is a sponsor of my show, Seven Weeks Coffee, is a really good representation of that compassion. The reason that they're called Seven Weeks Coffee, and I just love that, is because at seven weeks, the baby inside the womb is the size of a coffee bean. And so they started Seven Weeks Coffee in order to donate 10% of their profits to pregnancy centers across the country. These pregnancy centers that are facing a lot of opposition right now and yet are these volunteers these people who work at these pregnancy centers they are waking up every morning and they are being the hands and feet of Jesus they are providing spiritually emotionally physically tangibly for the women and families in crisis who walk into their centers and say I am pregnant and I don't know what to do can you please help me and as I've talked about many times man these women these Christians who work at these pregnancy centers they show up 
and they need our help, they need our support, they need our money. So by buying your coffee from Seven Weeks Coffee, you are also ensuring that these pregnancy centers are being supported through your dollars. It's great coffee, it's high quality stuff. We drink it at our home and we absolutely love it. But I also love knowing that money is going to help these women who are in need. And what a great way, if we're gonna spend our money on coffee anyway, which if you drink coffee, you are, then why not spend it at a company who is then turning around and using their dollars for such a good and redemptive and life-giving purpose. If you go to sevenweekscoffee.com and use promo code Allie, uh, you will save 10% off your order. So there's also a discount for you, which is awesome. Sevenweekscoffee.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout for 10% off your order. Sevenweekscoffee.com. Okay. Let's talk about let's talk about the nitty gritty. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. So Monday, March 27th, 2023. And actually this is probably going to be the part that's hard for me to get through emotionally just reading these names and thinking about what happened and the parents of these kids, but I'm going to try my best. Um a shooter attacked the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee. From my understanding, this school is um, just an elementary school. So I believe it's kindergarten or maybe pre-K through sixth grade. So these are all little kids. Um, this school was specifically targeted. So just consider that for a second. Consider the evil, the depravity, the callousness, the wickedness that someone has to have in their mind in order to specifically target an elementary school. Unfortunately, this is not the first time that we've seen something like this, um, even recently. And so they specifically targeted this small Christian school, knowing that it contained young, vulnerable children. Three children, three teachers were killed. Uh, Evelyn Dykhouse, she's nine years old. Uh, William Kenny, nine years old. Cynthia Peake, substitute teacher, 61 years old. Um, Catherine Coons, head of school, 60 years old. Mike Hill, a custodian, 61 years old. And um, also there's Hallie Scruggs. She is, um, she was nine years old. And what is unique about Hallie is that um, she is the daughter of the pastor the senior pastor of the church at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Nashville. Um, she's the youngest of four, and uh, she's got three older brothers who will never, who will never see their sister again. Whew. And it's just tough. Uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, we have a picture pulled up of um, the pastor. <sighs> Sorry. And his daughter and oh man. Okay, we had to do some editing there. I just I don't think that I can get through everything that I wanted to say about the victims. I just I just physically don't think that I can do it. Let me just say as as quickly as I can to relate to what you're feeling. I mean, just as a human, but in particular as a mom of two toddlers and one baby on the way. I just think about these parents and I think about them waking up in the morning and doing what I do every morning, getting their kids dressed, feeding them breakfast, saying a prayer for them, maybe reading the Bible, whatever it is, just going through their daily routine and never thinking this is going to be the last time. This is going to be the last time that I drop them off. This is going to be the last time that they say I that I they hear me say I love you. This is going to be the last time. 
we go through this. I just, I mean, it's hard to understand unless like you, unless you have children just to know the absolute pain that it would be to lose a child. Like I would rather die a thousand gruesome deaths they go through something like that. And these parents woke up this morning without their babies and their lives will never be the same. Um, their siblings' lives will never be the same. This community's lives will never be the same. And I just, I'm just so sorry. I'm just so sorry for all of the parents who are going through this. I cannot imagine. I, I just... I just can't imagine. And I I know like this pastor, I actually heard a comment that he made and he was actually also, he pastored or helped pastor. He was on the staff at a church in Dallas, uh, Park City Presbyterian Church, which is a very large Presbyterian church in, in Dallas. And so he has a, he has a lot of people who love and respect him, um, across the country. He said, uh, to a friend, apparently, he said, you know, his daughter, Hallie, is in the arms of of Jesus now, and he loves her more than, than we ever could. And I mean, I just, the kind of faith that it takes to say something like that in the midst of tragedy, I'm very thankful for it. It's a gift of grace, and I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and can give leaders like this the words to speak and here's the thing about all of this too, as much as I like cannot comprehend the pain is that God is in the business of redemption and he always uses what Satan means for evil for good. Like if you think of Romans 8.28, that he is working all things, working actively right now, all things together for the good of those who love him. How is that possible in the midst of a shooting of little kids? I don't know, but I'm not God. Thank goodness. So God right now is working together, even this thing for the good of those who love him. And so somehow, uh, to much to Satan's frustration, God is going to use this to bring the gospel and the love of Christ to people who otherwise would have never heard it. Somehow, God is going to use this for redemption. God is going to use this for beauty. God is going to use this for his purposes. And Satan hates that so much. He's constantly frustrated. He just wants something to be wasted. He wants something to be exclusively evil. And yet, God relentlessly redeems. And one day, as we said, he will redeem eternally. We won't have to talk about any of this anymore. But I trust that. That is also a piece of comfort that the faith of Hallie's family is somehow going to accomplish God's purposes. I don't have many answers, but that's just one thing I know. Um, so, okay, let's get through these details. Police first got calls about the shooter at 10.13 a.m. And by 10.27 a.m., the shooter was dead. I mean, thank God for law enforcement. Thank God for law enforcement. I I mean, defund the police, abolish the police. Do you know how many children today, every single child would be dead. Every single child at the school would be dead 
if it weren't for the police. Thank God for the police. Remember Romans 13, law enforcement, even to the point of, of killing the evildoer, is biblically justified. So thank God for the police. Um, there's a picture actually of the police uh, of the police who actually shot her at Covenant School. Officer Rex Engelbert and Officer Michael Colazzo, I think, or Colazzo. Officer Engelbert is a four-year veteran. Officer Colazzo is a nine-year veteran. And I'm just, again, so thankful for their courage. We actually have a little bit of footage I saw circulating on Twitter. I'm not going to show the part where they actually gun her down. Um, but let me just show you the bravery of these men. God, thank you so much for strong, courageous men. Like this is, this is men, this is courage, like at their best. And so here's just a little bit of them bravely entering the school and doing what needed to be done. Move, move. I'm with you. Go away. Right here, right here, right here, right here. It's locked. Go. Hit that stairs. Hit the stairs. Go. Go stairs. Go stairs. Go. I actually maybe encourage you to go watch that whole thing. We didn't want to play the full like minute or so of that clip on here, but disturbing one, I think I saw a like a body lying on the ground at some point in the hallway. So just so disturbing, but just it, it also brings tears to my eyes. It may be a different way, just the bravery of these men. And by the way, like I hate to even go back to this, but we see here what's possible with courage and with determination and with decisiveness and what apparently was not possible in Uvalde a year ago. When the police officers stood by and said, well, I don't know, I don't want to, I'm not really sure if we should go in. Not all the officers, but the people in charge, they were indecisive and more lives were lost because of that. These officers acted as quickly as they could and they gunned this girl down and they killed her. And because of that, even though it is so tragic that these six lives were lost, only six lives were lost rather than 60, rather than all 200 students. So thank you, officers. Thank you, law enforcement. Just in general, I know you don't get enough credit. I understand. It's not just that. You get a lot of condemnation. You get a lot of scrutiny. And yes, there are some police officers out there that deserve that scrutiny. I'm not saying that all police officers are perfect. They wield a lot of power. That power has to be very carefully and honestly wielded. So I understand that. But look, we've got these courageous men willing to sacrifice themselves and sacrifice their own safety in a way that the vast majority of us are not willing to do. So the proper response to courageous police officers or even the proper response to incidents where police officers do bad things is not to condemn the police force, but to say, thank you, brave officers. You save our lives. You protect our communities. Thank you. So I just want to thank these officers and I want to thank their wives and families for also making that sacrifice along with them. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for strong men. Also, like, let's just give it up for masculinity here. I'm not saying that there are no brave 
women, but God has specifically, specially equipped men to run into the line of fire in this way, and they did. So thank Thank God for that. They are heroes. And um, obviously the villain in this story is the person who is now, unless there was some kind of moment of repentance and coming to faith before her death, um, is in hell. And her name is Audrey Elizabeth Hale. And I don't say that in a celebratory way that this person is in hell. That's just a fact that, and it's not even because she is a murderer. It is because she is apart from Christ, but she is murderous. And now she is paying the due and just penalty for that rebellion for all of eternity. So again, don't think God is doing nothing about this. Justice is paid. Justice will be paid once and for all in the end. And I promise you what this girl thought was worth it was not worth it. And she only realizes it now. And it is far too late. So let's talk a little bit about her. Because if you didn't already know um, that she's a female shooter, you might be surprised by that. Because the vast majority of homicides, of assaults, of certainly of school shooters, mass shooters are male. So when I heard that this was a female, I thought that's weird. But I will also say the first thing I said, well, who even knows what female means at this point? And that actually ended up being a true part of the story. I didn't know that. I didn't assume that this person was transgender. I just was so surprised when I heard that it was female, um, that it was a female, that I said, honestly, I'm just not even, I'm not even sure about that. And it is so rare for there to be female mass shooters that the New York Times reported on this um, that since 1966, there have been 168 mass shootings perpetrated by men and four perpetrated by women. Two of the shootings with women in part were in partnership with a male shooter. So a lone female shooter, that is very rare. But this person actually did um, identify as transgender. The confusion was that was this a man identifying as a woman or was this a woman identifying as a man? Um, Everyone was calling her she. All of the news outlets were calling her she. Um, And here's what the chief of the Nashville police had to say about all of this confusion. Our investigations tell us that she was a former student uh, at the school. I don't know what grade she's attended or grades. But we do uh, firmly believe she was a student there. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, identify as transgender, yes. We have a manifesto. We have some writings that we're going over uh, that uh, pertain to this date, the actual incident. We have a map drawn out of how this was all going to take place. Uh, there's right now a theory of that's, that we may be able to talk about later, but it's not confirmed. And so we'll we'll put that out as soon as we can. All right. So there's a little bit of confusion there. And I don't know if he just didn't know or if he is like the average person. The average person who doesn't talk about these issues a lot really doesn't like when they say transgender woman, what they mean is like a woman who identifies as a man. And when people say transgender man, most people think of an actual man male biologically who identifies as a woman. The reality is this is a girl, okay? This is a woman, a 28-year-old woman who apparently recently started identifying as a man named 
Aiden, who attended the school. There's a manifesto right now as I am recording this. We don't have the information about the manifesto and what it said, but he makes very clear that he believes that she targeted this school and some of it had to do with her believing that she is transgender. My guess, my assessment is that this is a school I looked at their belief system and um, they believe that God's word is inerrant, and so they're going to believe Genesis one twenty seven at all, as all churches do, as all legitimate churches do, which is that God made us male and female. There are no categories beyond the biological categories of male and female, and God created us in that way in His image, and that's how He created marriage as well. We see it in the first chapter of the Bible. We won't go through all of the theological reasons and reasoning behind that as we have so often, but. My guess is that that is the tenet that they hold to as an institution that believes that God's word is infallible, authoritative, and inerrant. My guess is that Audrey, as a student there, believes that there was some kind of trauma, there was some kind of rejection at that school because of how she identifies and what that school believes. And so she decided to take out her grievances or her imagined grievances, real or real or not, I don't know. Um and decided to punish people that actually had nothing to do with any experience that she had there that weren't even born when she would have been a student there. Because she apparently, apparently, and we'll get confirmation soon, had some kind of anger or malice towards this school, probably because of her stated identity, she decided, I'm going to murder a bunch of nine-year-olds. That's what sin does to you, man. That's what sin does to you. That's what depravity does to you. I mean, it takes you beyond even even rational or irrational anger into the realm of just total and complete delusion, which we already know because she thought that she was the opposite sex than how God made her. And she actually had some final uh, final Instagram messages that are very chilling with someone. Her social media handle or her Instagram handle said that her name was Aiden, and she messaged a friend or a former friend and said, so basically that post I made on here about you, that was basically a suicide note. I'm planning to die today. This is not a joke. You'll probably hear about me on the news after I die. So obviously this is planned out. As the police chief said, there was a map, there was a manifesto. She very carefully planned this out. So she wasn't just planning to hurt herself. She said, this is my last goodbye. I love you. See you again in another life. And she actually signed it, Audrey, but then put in parentheses Aiden, which is interesting. And then the person says, Audrey, you have so much more life to live. I pray God keeps and covers you. I know, but I don't want to live. I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to upset you or get attention. I just need to die. I wanted to tell you first because you are the most beautiful person I've ever seen and known all my life. My family doesn't know what I'm about to do. One day this will make more sense. I've left more than enough evidence behind, but something bad is about to happen. So you see how Satan has deceived her so much. It's actually so similar to what happened in the garden when Satan said, if you eat this apple, you will be like God. Like he actually had convinced her, you are going to have power over all of these people and you are going to have power over how you die. She was killed. She didn't even get to kill herself. The one thing that she thought that she had control over, the one thing that Satan promised her that he that she would be able to do, that you're going to be able to choose how you die. You're going to be able to kill yourself. You're going to be able to make a name for yourself because of this. She didn't even get to do that. She was killed by the police after she murdered some people. Now she's in hell. Now she realizes that all the temptation that she 
dealt with, that promise of power, it was a lie. It was always a mirage. Just like it was for Eve, he deceived this woman into believing, one, that you're a man, and two, you can be like God. You can have power over life and death. It's a shame. It's a shame. Um, so this girl, this person who tried to talk to her, tried to comfort her, tried to stop her from committing suicide, obviously didn't know what was going to happen. I, I commend this person that she talked to, trying to comfort her and reason with her. Unfortunately, it wasn't effective. Um, so there's a lot of conversation, obviously, about this person being transgender. And as I said, every news outlet at first, I guess going off of what the police was saying, was calling her a female, calling her a woman, which is rare when you have someone who identifies as the opposite sex. Obviously, our liberal media is very sensitive towards what's called misgendering. You're supposed to use the pronouns that someone prefers rather than the ones that actually correspond with reality or their um, biology. And that's, you know, I guess because they actually believe that this person was female. But uh, don't worry, they apologize for that. So in the midst of this mass shooting, in the midst of the targeted, like, let's just call it what it is for a second, the targeted terrorism of Christians. And let me just pause. I know that was going to be an aside, but let me just pause. It's a targeted terrorism toward Christians that is made permissible by what we're about to talk about, actually. the Just the dismissal of, of that aspect of the story, the open and unabashed anti-Christian sentiment that is like one of the only acceptable forms of bigotry in Hollywood and the mainstream and politics. Like if this happened at a synagogue, if this happened at a mosque, if this happened at Pulse nightclub, like no one would question whether or not the type of people in that particular building um, were being targeted because of their belief system, because of who they are. Like no one questions that. But if when it happens at a, at a Christian school, when it happened at a a church in um, in Texas a few years ago. Apparently, the Christian aspect of it should just be overlooked. And then, if Christians bring this up, oh, it's a victim complex. You're thinking about this too hard. This has nothing to do with that. Why does it have nothing to do with that? When in every other scenario, with every other kind of group, it's immediately assumed that it had to do with that building and the or it's immediately assumed that it had to do with the identity or the religion or the skin color of the people inside the building that was targeted. So just a question, uh, just a question about that. But when it comes to this story, we don't focus on that. Really, the real problem is that transgender people are the oppressed group. And really, the problem is that we are misgendering this person. So here's... Um, so this is a this is a clip from ABC. This is an anchor, Terry Morin, talking about this. And this is when I guess they still are calling her a female and didn't realize that she identifies as the opposite sex. Um, and here's here's how he kind of explains why this murder happened. State of Tennessee earlier this month passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors as well as uh, a law that prohibited adult entertainment, including male and female impersonators after a series of drag show controversies in that state. So that is the, that's the narrative. Joy Reid said the same thing on MSNBC. An NBC correspondent actually seemingly blamed the Daily Wire. His name is Benjamin Ryan. He posted a tweet saying, um, 
that the Daily Wire basically is to blame for the transgender person shooting up this school. He actually deleted the tweet, but uh, we have screenshots. Screenshots live forever, so we will not let Benjamin Ryan forget that this is how he reacted to uh, the innocent blood of little children uh, being shed. Uh, He said NBC has ID'd the Nashville school shooter as Audrey Hale, 28, who identifies as transgender and had no previous criminal record. Nashville is home to the Daily Wire, a hub of anti-trans activity by Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, and Michael Knowles. Okay, let's like square the circle for me, Ben. How, what is that relevant? Like, are you saying that because they disagree, as everyone has for all of human history, as everyone still knows today, that men cannot be women and women cannot be men, that this person was then motivated by her proximity to people who accept and preach reality to then go murder these children? Wow. How'd you get there? It's not because of the person who actually picked up these guns and went into this school, targeted them and murdered them. It's because of people who are maybe a few miles away from her who happen to say things that are true. That's that's incredible. What incredible reporting, Ben. Really good job. You're doing great, buddy. Keep going. David Pakman, he has a show on YouTube. Very surprising that there would be a mass shooting at a Christian school, given that lack of prayer is often blamed for these horrible events. Is it possible they weren't praying enough or correctly despite being a Christian school? Wow, these atheists are so compassionate. Incredible. Mocking the faith of nine-year-olds who just got murdered. Awesome. Again, really good job. Really good job. People are really concerned also that this person is being quote unquote dead named. Tommy Sunshine is uh, a professor at NYU. Let's focus on the head of school, Catherine Coons, who was specifically targeted by 28-year-old former student Aiden Hale, who has been dead named in the press as Audrey. Can you imagine what the early 2000s Christian curriculum contained about gender sexuality and being openly queer? So again, it's their fault. Victim blaming. Fantastic work. Like y'all are just, I mean, y'all over on the left. Mm, party of empathy. Love it. Okay. Kat Amarco. Uh, random Twitter user, but this was retweeted by Andy No. I don't condone Audrey Hale's actions, though I understand their outrage against an intolerant state that brainwashes children through religious doctrination. Ooh, brainwashes them into accepting the body that God gave them? Okay. The reality is this human still identified as that child attending that school and carried that pain into adulthood. First of all, you don't freaking know that. Secondly, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care that that person carried pain. Guess what? Newsflash. We all carry pain. We all had hard childhoods in some way. We were all made fun of. We were all bullied. We were all rejected. We all have felt different. We were all pushed to the side. We've all been confused. We've all had a hard time, okay? No, I do not relate to this person shooting up a school, okay? Maybe let's toughen up a little bit and deal with normal human difficulty and trials without murdering nine-year-olds. Like, maybe that's a line of reason. Maybe that's a take. 
Like maybe that's the narrative that you should go with, that life is tough. Get a helmet, deal with it yourself. Maybe don't go with a gun into an elementary school and kill kids that have nothing to do with your delusion. And let me just say, because I think this is the most loving thing that I can say, because obviously like this delusion about your identity and about people's gender is like really harming people and really hurting people, really confusing people, really driving people to think that they should do things that they shouldn't do. And this is not me saying that all or most transgender people are violent or are going to do something like this. I really, I don't believe that. I I really don't. But because I care about the truth and because this delusion, like I said, like is dangerous and is harmful in so many ways. Look, this person was born a girl and died a girl, period. She's in hell as a girl. That will never change. She will be female, not just for her entire life, but for all of eternity. There's nothing that you can do to change that. Nothing. And we just need, we just need to embrace that. Re- that is the most loving and the most compassionate thing that you can do. Like in the midst of all this, like we see that this person was tortured. Don't you see, Christian, that our role is to speak the truth relentlessly in love, that we cannot allow these people to be trapped in this kind of torturous delusion. And like you see that the tripping over themselves in the media actually prevents them from being able to even report the truth with clarity. It's so sad that we had to deal with all of this confusion while we're just trying to talk about these little kids who died tragically and unjustly. Like we can't even, we don't even like know what words to use because of this confusion that has completely taken over our culture. So we don't need to mess with that, Christians. We need to be as clear as possible. That is the most loving, the most sympathetic thing that we can do. This shooter, just like Everyone else is made in the image of God, okay? Had innate worth, had innate value. Like she was important because of that. That is true of absolutely everyone, all right? No matter how you identify, like what your sexual proclivities are, what you think your identity is, like that is true of everyone. That's the most loving thing that I can tell you, that you were born male, you were born female, whatever that is, that is what you are meant to be. Let's stop allowing this confusion to just compound the tragedies and the difficulties that we are already dealing with. And like, did this girl, did she commit this crime because she knows that this is what men have done? Like, is this part of her fulfilling that identity? That this has traditionally been men and she thought that she was a man. So she was then, you know, trying to like play into that character. I don't know. But I also think it's interesting left. Whenever a male actually does this, it's all the talk about toxic masculinity. The problem with white violent men. The problem with the patriarchy. If you really think this person was a man, why aren't you talking about that? I haven't seen any talk from the left about toxic masculinity and the patriarchy and the evil white male racist. Why not? Surely Aiden falls into that category, don't you think? And yet they have more compassion for this person. More, not Everyone on the left, not saying that. Some of the people that we're talking about, some of the people in the media have more compassion and sympathy and understanding for this person because they actually know that she is really a woman. That's why the media is reporting on it the way that they are. Christians can never be the victims. It's always the so-called oppressed group, even the ones that are perpetuating violence. Like this is also social justice. It's not justice, it's social justice. You can't ever put the blame on someone who is in a quote-unquote oppressed 
class, even when they are carrying a gun and murdering a bunch of kids. Okay, I got a couple more things to say uh, to end this out. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is, it's a fitting sponsor. It's a actually difficult sponsor to talk about right now, but I guess it's it's also important because we're talking about the fragility of life and how quickly life goes. And that is why this sponsor exists. It's called Epic Will. And Epic Will makes it really easy for you to create a last will and testament for you and your family. It's something that's overwhelming. It's something that you don't want to think about. You don't want to pay a lawyer to walk you through it. And that's why Epic Will exists. They have a website, epicwill.com slash Allie. And you can have a complete will uh, will package from Epic Will in as little as five minutes because they give you the template. They make it really easy. They walk you through it. It's only $119. Unless you are a single mom with kids under the age of 18 at home, then it's totally for free. They care about you and uh, they care about you being able to take care of your kids. And should anything happen to you, they want your family taken care of. They don't want you to stress about that. So you get it for free if you fall into that category. But for everyone, for all of my listeners, if you go to epicwell.com slash Allie, you'll save 10% on your complete will package. Epicwell.com slash Allie, you'll save 10% on your complete will package. Uh, Epicwell.com slash Allie. So Tucker Carlson was mocked by a pro-LGBTQ outlet, LGBTQ Nation, for saying on his show that he believes that there are certain transgender activist groups that are going to be perpetrating violence. Um, uh, They said this, foremost, the violence actually occurs when right-wingers like Carlson claim that trans people are pedophiles and people like Michael Knowles call for eradicating transgenderism, a stance that has been espoused historically and in the current day by literal Nazis. So literally, if you just believe that a man can't be a woman and vice versa, if you don't believe that men should be dressed up as caricatures of women in thongs and fishnet tights and fake boobs dancing for children, then you are causing violence. This is a little fun game that the left plays that if you just say something that's true that they disagree with or criticize them, then you're perpetrating violence. And yet when someone who identifies as transgender actually perpetrates violence, it's still not actually their fault. Really interesting. That's because Tucker Carlson was talking about on his show this organization called Rainbow Reload in New Hampshire. It's a gun club in New Hampshire where they produce firearms instruction videos, news, gaming streams, um, living by the amended state motto, live free or effing die. And um, the, the owner of it or the person who started it said, if the world is dangerous, then you have to be dangerous back. If you go far enough left, then you get your guns back, said a Rainbow uh, Reload member, which, I mean, is true of communists. And they say that there's been an uptick in hate crimes and things like that. And so they need to start um, they need to start fighting, uh, fighting back because of those things. And so, I mean, I believe in the Second Amendment. Obviously, these people are talking about glorifying violence in the face of this absolutely delusional claim that there is some genocide against people who claim to be transgender. Again, this is a fun trick that the left plays, that if you say the true things about biology, if you care about women's rights and protection, then you are committing genocide. If you tell enough already mentally unstable young people, that Christians, that conservatives are committing genocide against them, you cannot be surprised when they target an elementary school, right? Like lies actually 
have these kinds of consequences, especially when you're explicitly calling for violence. And also remember, there is um, a day of vengeance that many trans activists online are calling for uh, March 31st, April 1st, fighting for their so-called rights. So this is the right, I guess, for young you know, 10-year-old boys to be chemically castrated for 16-year-old girls to get a double mastectomy, to commit themselves to permanent uh, infertility, men to be able to go into girls' bathrooms and things like that. These are the rights, I guess, that this so-called trans day of vengeance is fighting for. The One of the advertisements says, stop transgenocide. So again, this is the kind of language, the trans day of vengeance against genocide. This is a call to arms. Like, this is a call to the kinds of things that we just saw in Nashville yesterday. There's a popular sign um, that is uh, that is circulating right now, and it is uh, trans rights or else, and it is the trans flag, which I'll remind you is baby colors, baby blue, and baby pink and it's guns though so rather than the rather than just the trans flag the colors the flag itself are long guns to make up the trans flag trans rights or else it's been seen on stickers t-shirts hoodies other items it's being sold on amazon right now and so where is the violence really coming from where's the violence really coming from where's the terrorism really coming from And again, I'm not saying that all people who are confused about their gender or who think that they're the opposite sex who call themselves transgender fall into this category. But look, we saw the manifestation of this kind of call to violence yesterday. Little kids were murdered. Little kids were murdered. And like, let's just make a note on guns, all right? Because we haven't even gotten into that portion of all of this. We'll probably be talking about a lot of this for the rest of the week. But um, we've always had millions of guns in this country. We've always been a gun-toting country. We've had the Second Amendment that is at the top of the list of amendments for a reason. And we have always had tens of millions of guns. We have had, I would say, an even stronger, more pervasive gun culture, if you will, in the United States than we have today. Nothing has really changed about the guns on the street. Nothing has really changed about their nature or about their capacity. But the values in America have changed. The people have changed. Young people have changed. What we care about has changed. There was this horrifying poll, and I was going to talk about it later in the week. I don't have it pulled up, so I don't remember the source, but it was comparing the values that we held in 1998 versus today. Patriotism, Caring about patriotism has gone down. Getting married, caring about that has gone down. Caring about having kids, that's gone down drastically. The only thing that has gone up, like the the value that has changed towards an upward trend is caring about money. Money. All right. So we've exchanged the God of Scripture for the God of self, as we talk about often. We glorify mental illness. We celebrate people's delusions and instability. We mock the idea of God. We belittle the idea of prayer. We patronize and even demonize in some ways selflessness and sacrifice and hard work. Instead, we celebrate and glorify and encourage entitlement and selfishness and narcissism. 
and pursuing fleeting passions. All of our institutions have been captured by this postmodern progressivism, which is innately destructive and anti-God. We've demolished the family. We continue to ostracize any sense of normalcy. We continue to degrade any idea of objective morality. And we are surprised when things like this happen. We've always had guns. We have not always had this value system. We have not always had these depraved set of principles that we have today that is all about me, me, me. Our young people are crying out for what every human since the beginning of time have cried out for, which is purpose, which is meaning, which is a call to something higher. So when the progressive left says you can join our revolution, you can latch onto social justice, you can identify in this way, you can join this oppressed group, then you will have meaning, then you will have identity, then you will have something deeper, then you will have some kind of pseudo spirituality, some kind of militant religion. Of course, these lost, agnostic, atheistic young people are going to cling to that. So, gosh, there's so much more I want to talk about in all this. We don't have time. I have to close out, but like, I just, I'm not, and I'm not saying, let me just say, I'm not saying that there should be no gun laws. I'm not saying that there is like no legal restriction or regulation that should surround the ownership and the use of guns. I am not saying that. I actually don't know any Second Amendment advocate or gun owner who does believe that. So I'm not saying like, well, we cannot have conversations ever about any kind of legislation or any kind of, I'm not saying that. I'm not one of those people. I'm just saying if we continue to ignore the heart of the issue, what underlies all of this, the raging culture war that is actually downstream from a theological war, a spiritual battle that's going on, we will continue to see these things happen. We will. And I mean, outside of an awakening that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, I don't know how things change. The only thing that we can do is the next right thing in faith with excellence and for the glory of God. That's the only thing that you and I can do. Let this tragedy not scare you or intimidate you, but inspire you to double down in speaking that and representing that and doing that which is good and right and true. Do not be a part of the delusion that's tearing this country apart. Do not be a part of the lie. Agree with God publicly, privately, in every area of your life, whether it comes to gender, sexuality, the family, true biblical justice, what is right, what is wrong. Teach it to your kids relentlessly. Preach it at your church pastors relentlessly. Tell it to your friends. Post it on social media. Live it in your daily life. Represent the gospel in all that you think, say, and do. Be a refuge of clarity and courage for the cowards in your life and in your community. That is what Christians are called to do today. That is what we have been called to do for thousands and thousands of years and trust that God is doing something about all of this. Let's continue to pray for everyone involved. Let's continue to pray for our children, continue to pray for our country. Remember James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. How good is God that he has actually set up this apparatus for change through prayer? He didn't have to do that. And yet he has preordained prayer to be a powerful tool that can be wielded at any moment by his saints. So let us come together and let us do that, especially when we don't know what else to do. And that is me a lot of the time. I don't know what else to do except for that. 
Um, all right, I got one more sponsor and then I'll close this out for the day. And that is Birch Gold Group. I don't have to tell you that the future is unstable, especially economically. We just don't know what it's going to look like. And you're probably hearing to get your hands on hard assets. And Birch Gold can help you do that. Gold is a reliable investment. And if you just don't know about it, you just want to learn more, all you have to do is text uh, Allie to 989-898. They'll send you a free info kit on gold. So this is just telling you what it's about, what you can do. Um, There's no obligation with that. They just want to make sure that you are prepared, that you are cared for, and uh, that you know how to make those changes in your investments and in your life in order to you know, secure your family financially and what is to come. So text Allie to 989-898. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau. So many five-star reviews. People just love working with them. Text Allie to 989-898. All right, guys, so much more I wanted to say on that. Um, Thank you for your prayers. Whenever I go to events and I talk to you guys and um, you tell me that you're praying for me and praying for my family, I I really, really appreciate it. And I covet your prayers. I ask for them. I mean, there's so many people in your life who need prayer. I hate to ask for prayers and so many things in this world, but thankfully, like we serve an infinite God and we can do that. And so... Um, I just appreciate and request your prayers because they they buoy me and they help me and I I feel them. And even though there were some really emotional and difficult parts of this episode to get through, I was able to, and I really do believe I was sustained by the Lord because of the prayers that you petitioned this morning. So thank you so much. And thanks so much for listening. Um, Let's see, do I have any announcements? A lot of you guys have been asking me to talk about this book ban in Florida. I actually wanted to talk about it today, but I knew as the story was developing, we would be spending all of our time on this. And so we will hopefully be talking about it some tomorrow. We'll also be talking about the TikTok ban uh, or potential TikTok ban that is being debated right now in Congress tomorrow. That is if we don't have more to talk about on this story. So we'll see. We'll see. Sometimes weeks are just harder to plan because there's this kind of breaking news uh but thank you guys so much i'm very thankful for y'all and we will see you back here tomorrow 